When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 47 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm Bethany. And I'm Leah. And today we're going to discuss chapters 25 and 26 of Scarlet. Now, you've come on a couple of times before, but just in case someone hasn't heard it, do you want to tell us about you and why a book chat podcast and a little bit of exciting news that you have, which by the time this episode comes out, I think that episode will have already come out, but mm-hmm. then people can go listen to it. That's right. Yes. So I am Leah. I do the podcast YA Book Chat, where I cover different young adult fiction novels each episode. And um, my very exciting news that Bethany is talking about is that this week I um, interviewed New York Times bestselling author Melissa De La Cruz on my podcast, which is like so crazy. And I was so nervous, but it was good. It went really well. She is fantastic. And so um, that episode will be up on my podcast on April 20th. And um, I was able to do that because I had posted about her book. She had a new book that came out in February called The Queen's Assassin, which I'll be covering on the podcast, but not until June. But um, I had posted about that book. And then like a few weeks later, I got an email from somebody at DC Comics. And I was like, huh, what is this? And it was an editor and she was like, oh, hey, I saw that you posted about Melissa De La Cruz's book and she's writing, a, she just wrote a graphic novel for us. Would you be interested in reviewing it? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course I would. So, um, so they sent me the graphic novel, which is called Gotham High. So it's about Batman and the Joker and Catwoman, but when they're in high school, so before they're all those people and it's really good. So I did an episode on that and then I, you know, I emailed with the editor quite a bit and then I asked her if it would be possible to have Melissa on my podcast and she said yes. So I got to interview her, which was super insane and crazy and I loved it. I was so excited. That is exciting. I actually have also read that because I work for a local bookstore and we are a part of an advanced reader copy program. So I got to read and write a review for that book before the beginning of the year. And I thought it was really cute. I thought I got to read that and I got to read Meg Cabot, Black Canary, which was about Wonder Woman in high school. Oh, nice. And that was a really good one. And I love Meg Cabot. So I was super excited about that one. I'm a big Meg Cabot fan. (laughs) (laughs) so how are you doing amid coronavirus oh we are we're doing all right I am still working I'm just working at home and my husband is doing some work and he's he's primarily teaching the boys and doing their schooling with them because I'm working so there's that you know we've had a bit more um scuffles and fights with the boys shall we say (laughs) it's a bit more adventurous but uh you know it's all right we're we're surviving and getting by Fortunately, we live somewhere where the weather is gorgeous, and so I'm able to send them outside, and they can play, and that really helps a lot for all of us. We can all get outside. So, yeah, I've been getting outside. I've been walking ten miles a day. Ooh, nice, uh, right? 
I thought it was going to be exhausting. Like I thought I was going to die. And I think the first (laughs) couple of days I felt like I was dying, but you just got to find a good podcast or a good audio book and you're, you don't even notice, you know? Yeah. I I caught up on Potterless, which I was really excited about. Um, and now I'm listening to this podcast that I shouldn't listen to when I'm walking alone in the woods. Um, Uh called, it's like, it's called like unsolved mysteries or something like that. And they talk about cold cases. I don't know yeah, why I listened to that while watching. That's probably not a myself. good idea. No, not a good idea, Bethany. <laughs> now, for our listeners, what do you do for a living that you get to work from home? I work uh, in health insurance. I work for Blue Cross. So, yeah, a lot of people on base are working from home. My husband doesn't get to be one of them, which I suppose is good and bad because he's a procrastinator. Hmm. Um, but so he's still going to work every day. Yeah. Hmm. I'm at home. I'm reading a lot, which is great. That's good. I'm obsessed with K.M. Shea right now. I'm not sure how to say her last name. S-H-E-A. I have no idea. I would say Shea. I would say it's like Shea or Shea, but I feel like I say Shea. But she has something called the Timeless Fairy Tale series, and I am obsessed with it. I've read the first five books in the last, like, week, and they're all free on Kindle Unlimited. So if anybody has it. Nice. First five. So how many there's are a, there? There's, there's a 11. lot. 11. That's crazy. See, and they're, they're not super long, though. Like, they're they're like six or seven hours a piece, according to Kindle Unlimited. So it's not, like, okay. crazy, you know? Like, according to my Kindle, Scarlet is, like, 19 hours, to put it in oh. perspective. Okay. So it's, it's not nearly as long. Okay, I would say if, if in an actual book, probably 300 pages. Okay, that's not too so bad. Not, it's not too bad. Not because I was... I was thinking, I don't know if I could commit to like an 11 book series. Can when all together, <laughs> it's not that many. <laughs> it's not super long, but they're also like a really easy read. So you buzz through them really quickly, which is good. I think, you know, sometimes yeah, I'm not good. always in the mood for an easy read, but I've been reading a really scary book series lately. And this is kind of me taking mm-hmm. a break in between it. I was reading the Miss Peregrine series, which I had no idea okay. how disturbing it can be. Oh, really? Yeah, some of it gets really, really disturbing towards the last couple mm-hmm. of books. Okay. So, have you read I, all of it? I haven't read those yet. Okay. But I, I mean, I know what they are. I just, and I've been wanting to because it looks really interesting to me and like I would enjoy it, but I just haven't gotten they're, there. Yet. Yeah, they're really great. I definitely recommend them. They're a little bit spookier than I thought they were going to be. And there's some content that is like, it, to me is scary because I'm a big baby and I just finished the third book so I still need to read four and five so this is okay. kind of a nice way for me to take a break in between intense and scary yeah because I'm just reading these like really quick fairytale adaptations that take like five or six hours and then yeah. I'll go back I'll, I'll go. go back when I feel ready for it <laughs> what are you reading so I'm reading Chosen One by Veronica Roth. That's her brand new one that just came out. It is really, really good. I love it. I'm halfway through. Is and, it a um, new series or is it part of? No. It's new. new. Yep. It's brand new. It's a standalone and it's actually, it's not a YA. It's an adult book. She Ooh. geared it toward adults. Yeah. But adult it's, fantasy? It's, yes. So it's about five adults. They're in their 30s, I think, or 20s. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. They um, <laughs> And they are like five, 10, 10 years prior to the present day. They had been teenagers who had taken on this force, this person called the Dark One. And they had 
they were chosen to defeat him because of these special skills that they have. So they defeated the Dark One. And now this is 10 years later and they've come together again because it's the anniversary of it. But then one of them dies. And that's not a spoiler because it's written inside the book jacket cover. So <laughs> fine. <laughs> so I can say that. Um, so then one of them dies. And then after that, some weird stuff starts to happen. And um, yeah, but so but it's really, really good. I love it. That's good. I'm so glad you're enjoying it because that's what makes reading fun. Yes. So let's talk about Fan Art Friday. This okay. was from somebody sent me her picture. The artwork is from L-E-S-Y-A Blackbird on Instagram. Somebody sent me this picture that they found on Pinterest. And oh, I wow. had to like try to track down the artist. And how I did that was I kept Googling variations of Lavana. With Earth and Veil and things like that. And then I finally found this Tumblr page from like five years ago that's not oh even gosh. active anymore. And I found her name on the Tumblr page. And then so then I started <laughs> typing in her name on Instagram and found her page and reached out to her. So aye, aye, aye. big thank you for sharing <laughs> this. It was a lot of work. Big thank you to the person. She wanted to remain anonymous, and I respect that. But big thank you to the person who messaged me the picture from Pinterest because it's amazing. This was it shared is. on April 24th. It's Lavana standing with her veil, a very menacing crown with the moon mm -hmm. hanging above it, and holding the earth orbiting in between her two hands. Yes. It is gorgeous. I love it. And I love how the moon is kind of set like right. It looks like it's like right in the center of her crown. It does. Yeah. And it's perfect. And I love her dress too. It's the darker on top with the sparkles and then it's lighter on the bottom. And then you just see the veil and her red hair flowing out from behind it. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous picture. Like you don't even see her face, but you don't need to because it's but just But you know what? If perfect. you stare at the place where you know her face is supposed to be, <laughs> I feel like you still get elements of the structure of the face, like where the, yes. where the shape of her face is. You can still see the hair color and stuff under the veil. You can see her neck and, and shoulder and collarbones under the veil. Like it's really well done. And I think that it's also... It's really eerie. I kind of wish I had this picture during the antidote chapters in Cinder when she was like wiggling the antidote in front of Kai. Yeah. Because I feel like this would have been a good moment for that picture. But I really encourage everyone to go check out this artist's Instagram page because there's a lot more, not just for TLC, but for other fandoms. And they're all very powerful images. I'm going to have to go look at those myself because this yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> and I have more that I'm I'm hoping to share later from this artist as well. So oh, good. Get to look forward to that. So Yay. once again, that's L-E-S-Y-A Blackbird on Instagram. Last episode was chapter 24 and the patrons voted for Miss Missing You by Fallout Boy as the chapter title. Nice. And that's it. All right. Just now I get to go into str <laughs> stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so stressful. Stressful chapters. I literally took a break in between these chapters and like went into the kitchen, walked around, got a cookie, threw the frisbee a couple times for Beowulf, <laughs> and then like came back ready to keep going. I mean, it just starts super stressful at the very beginning with her dream. Like, so yeah, we're back with Scarlet and Wolf. The last time we saw them, they were 
making out and being stowaways <laughs> on a train to Paris. Which is really um, kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it leaves off with like they have this really intense mission and almost fall off the train together and then they kiss and it's, you know, it's kind of a sweet yeah. memory type of thing. And then we get back to them and she's having this weird blizzard dream, which just the word blizzard makes me cold. Me too. Because I know what a blizzard is like. <laughs> me too. It brings certain things to my mind. I hear the word blizzard. I immediately picture like, I don't, anybody who's listening, who's driven in the snow knows what it looks like when it's dark oh. out and you're driving in the snow and you have your headlights on. I think of that because yep. you can't see shit. No. <laughs> you can't, can't see anything. anything. <laughs> I can always tell when it's an inexperienced driver, like when they don't know how to drive in a blizzard because they try to turn their brights on and I'm like, no, no, you're nope. making it worse. <laughs> That's right. I can Doesn't feel help. the wind like, um. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but it actually kind of burns when cold wind hits your face. Yes. And I could feel that <laughs> when mm-hmm. it's talking about a blizzard. I remember walking in a blizzard. I got trapped in a blizzard. Oh. Driving to see Quentin, an eight-hour drive that ended up taking like 19 hours. It was horrible. By the time I finally got there, I was like, no, I don't care how cold it is. I can't be inside my car. I can't be inside a build. Like, I just need... I cannot be on the inside of anything anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. No, I do not enjoy that either. Because since we lived in Chicago for 11 years, I thoroughly know what a blizzard is and cold and the wind because it gets like so windy there and so cold. And yeah, that the feeling on your face is just horrific. And for anyone who's never experienced like cold weather and doesn't know what that is like cold weather is not what's horrible wind is what's horrible yes <laughs> cold weather is really not that bad if it's like five degrees outside and there's no wind chill whatsoever it's just it's like walking fine. in a freezer like it's cold but it's yeah. fine it can totally be 30 doable. degrees outside and if there's a wind chill it's horrible like it's yep. way colder exactly <laughs> there's a difference between like what the temperature is and what the feels like is if there's a wind chill. I'll say that. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Yes. So mm-hmm. this is a really weird dream that she has. It's very peculiar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give an overview of the dream and then we'll discuss it. She has okay. this dream that she is a child and downstairs and grandma is, she's kneeling in front of the wood stove and it's cold out neck deep snow And grandma says, I thought I'd found someone who would take you in, but they'll never come for you in all this snow. I guess I'll have to wait until spring now to be rid of you. And then grandma stokes the fire. The sparks fly into her eyes, and that's what wakes her up, which kind of reminds me of Cinder's dream and how the burning sensation is what woke her up from the fire. Yeah. But this is just a really quick dream, but it's really thought-provoking for Scarlet. Because she Definitely. starts to realize that it's like part dream, part memory. Right. Which is always difficult. I, have you ever had a dream that's part memory? Yes. Actually, I did. So, okay, this is going to be weird. So when my grandmother died, I actually had horrible nightmares after that for quite a few weeks. And it involved her dying. Like, but it wasn't, you know, the realistic the situation, like the exact things that happened, but it, they, and my nightmares would involve her dying and all this other stuff happening. And I would wake up like crying and it was, Oh, it was so real and just really, really hard. And 
crazy. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. only time I remember having like a specific nightmare issue was when I was a child, like probably nine, eight or nine years old. I, I can't tell you much because I don't remember a lot of it, but there was some movie I watched with my parents where there was a nun and she turned out to be the bad guy and she was killing people. Oh, and (laughs) I ended up having these nightmares for like weeks about witches every single night for weeks. And it, came to a point at one point I had a nightmare and my dad came into the room to check on me and I thought he was the witch and threw an alarm clock at his head <gasps> oh, and it no. actually like ended up cutting his forehead and drawing like blood and stuff and I had to go talk to the guidance counselor at school <laughs> whoops <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only time I mean I've had nightmares but that's the only time I remember it being like a consistent like nightmare problem where it was the same type of nightmare over and over and over again yeah I've definitely had the experience where dreams are real yeah like where and I know there's that like cliche of you have a dream that you're falling off a cliff and you roll out of bed but but that really does happen it does I hurt my knee really bad doing that once (laughs) you know how you know how to like they always show in movies or TV people waking up from bad dreams, like sitting up straight in their bed. And I'm always like, people don't really do that. Well, that's actually happened to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I remember waking up and being sitting up straight and I was like, how did what happened? Like and it was it was like I had stood up or done something like that in the dream. And then when I woke up, I was sitting up straight in my bed. A couple of really weeks ago, I was reading the Miss Peregrine series before bed and I was at a particular part that was it was pretty spooky to me. I'm really sensitive. I mean, I don't read like seeing a Stephen King or anything. So this is like way more <laughs> horror than I've ever gotten in a book before. But I was having this dream that I needed help and that I couldn't scream and that I couldn't open my mouth to scream. Yeah. And I kept trying to scream and my mouth wouldn't open. And when I finally woke up, I had bitten the inside of my cheek so bad that it was bleeding. Ah. Uh-huh. That's when I decided to take a break from these books. Or maybe just don't read them before bed. <laughs> yeah. Because I stay I, up till like 2 in the morning reading. <laughs> yeah, it definitely affects you. I've definitely, because that's when I read, is right before I go to bed. And I definitely will very frequently have dreams related to something that I was reading about. Yes, absolutely. Or like if I fall asleep watching TV, I'll dream about like, an episode of Friends or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it it definitely, like, I understand the the moment where she wakes up and her fingers are still slightly cold from when she yeah. was in the dream. Because I think that everyone at some point in their lives has some kind of similar experience. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. Yeah. Scarlet feels like this dream is more than a dream. It's actually a memory of when she was 13, So six years after she came to live with grandma and five years ago from where we are now. And grandma had sent her to milk the cow, but her fingers were completely numb. And she starts to wonder, why wasn't I in school that day? Many, 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 many months ago, we had speculated, was Scarlett homeschooled? And this is our confirmation that she was not homeschooled. Right. So I just wanted to point that out because that was like back in February, I think. So we had okay. someone ask if there was any mention of her going to school at all. I like the way this is written, though. I like how it's a dream, and then she wakes up, and she's like, no, it's more than a dream. I kind of remember it. And then yeah. she starts having this sort of conversation with herself to try and figure out why the memory doesn't make sense. Like, it was winter. When was it? Okay, was it January? There's no way the snow could have been up to my neck. How deep really was it? Why was I at home? Why wasn't I at school? 
Was it like a vacation? Right. No. Okay. I just got back from my dad's. That's what it was. Like, I like her going through the this moment of trying to figure out her her memory and trying to really remember the details of it. And I like the way that it actually does come back to her because I feel like it's it feels genuine. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking because that's what you do. Like that's what somebody does for real. You wake up and sometimes, I mean, you know, that's what I do. I have a weird dream and I'm like, what was that? Like, was this, you know, and I ask myself lots of questions about it too. So I like that she did it that way as well. Yeah, I think it turned out really well. And I think it's relatable because of that. I agree. What happened was Scar went to visit her dad and she couldn't stay there the entire month because she couldn't handle him and all of his drinking. And she came back in the middle of the night. She took the train and didn't tell anyone and was just going to like surprise grandma. It's never a good idea to surprise people by showing up, guys. Nope. Nope. Mm -mm. Take it from a military spouse. (laughs) <laughs> those videos are fake you guys <laughs> seriously so stressful oh my gosh they totally are because it never it never happens that way no, like you know when they're coming home because you have demanding to. that information from right and because sometimes it changes too oh yeah Quentin's changed because they were like oh why would we send you home after this deployment when we want you to do this tdy thing all right you're just gonna go from deployment to tdy what Mm. So he went straight from like Qatar to South Carolina and then he came home later. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. It's never never like they show on TV, not for real. No. (laughs) It's still a happy reunion. I remember um, when I moved in with Quentin after we got married, he had already been stationed in Nebraska. So I was joining him after the fact. And I told him I was coming on Sunday, but really I came on Friday to surprise him. And when I showed up at the house, I thought we had been robbed. Oh, no. And we didn't have a lot. But every, like, door was open. Every cabinet was open. Every drawer was open. Oh, my uh, gosh. The back door was open. There were clothes thrown everywhere. Trash oh everywhere. Like, and I don't mean, like, disgusting, like, three-day-old McChicken trash. Just, like, right. a Kleenex here, a paper towel there, a dirty, like, a dirty plate here. But, like... I genuinely was like, this place looks like it got ransacked. What happened? Quentin had not gone upstairs at all. He was like, well, I'm the only one that's here and we have no furniture. So I'm just going to like be the living room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so like sleeping, eating, video games, computers. It was all one room, even though we had a oh. three bedroom house. <laughs> in of base course. housing. <laughs> of and course. he was like, why would I open and close the cabinets when I know I'm going to have to go back to the cabinet. I'll just keep it open. And the same with all the drawers. So that's why all the oh cabinets and all God. the drawers were open. <laughs> this is something he will still fight you for. <laughs> he still thinks oh it's stupid gosh. to close cabinets and close drawers because you're going to have to open it again. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> and then the clothes was just like, he had like a pile that was clean, a pile that was not dirty, but not clean and could still be mm-hmm. worn like once or twice more. And then a pile that definitely needed to be washed. But it just like, <laughs> at first glance, it did not come off that way. And his, yep. he was so upset because I was like, it's supposed to be a surprise. It's like, surprise, I was going to clean it tomorrow and make it look pretty. I even bought pine saw, like, <laughs> which, because <laughs> pine saw yeah. is that like, cheese smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Just surprises aren't always a good idea. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. If you, if you want to surprise somebody, don't do it by showing up when you're not supposed to be there. No. <laughs> nope. No. Get wrong. 
So it's not a good idea. Grandma's mad. Mm-hmm. She wanted somebody to tell her. It's a little bit of an egg hatch. We find out this is the last time that she actually saw her father. So it's been six years since she'd seen him. And Grandma sends her outside to milk the cow, which is her least favorite chore. So she's hurrying up and trying to get done with it so she can go inside and get warm. And she looks outside and sees that there's a hover, which they never see in the country. And then I love this description of Scarlet creeping on the stairs in the shadows, eavesdropping, trying not to step on any steps that would creak or make a noise, holding her breath. Yeah, so she's not breathing too loud just so she can overhear this conversation because I really felt that. I really yeah. got a good visual of what was happening. Yeah, Marissa Meyer always does a really good job of painting these images for us as the readers so that we can really like feels like you're in the room with her and you're experiencing exactly what's happening and, and what she's doing. Yeah, and what I really love about it is I can sort of hear the hushed voices just because I know that it's a somewhat secret conversation and I know that Scarlet is eavesdropping. So it doesn't right. say that anybody's whispering, but I still feel like they're probably talking in like hushed tones. And I, I feel agree. like that's a really good way to imply something without saying it to show without telling or whatever. Right. So grandma is having a conversation with a strange man with an Eastern accent. And this is a really weird conversation. Yes. And it, I don't know if I should read the whole thing. Because it's like a page and a half, but I really kind of want to. So we're just going to do the dialogue. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do you want to be grandma or do you want to be Lynn Guerin? Uh, I can be grandma. That's fine. Okay. You do not have to do voices or or accents if you don't want to. Okay. I'm not great with accents. I'll I'll probably change the tone of my voice, but I'm not great with accents. Other than Dr. Erland, which I think was a glitch. (laughs) No. Okay, I guess I start, right? Yep. I can't imagine what a burden she's been for you all these years. She hasn't been as much trouble as I expected her to be. I've almost grown attached to her after all these years, but I must say I'll be glad when she's gone. No more panicking each time an unfamiliar ship flies by. You said she'd be ready to go in a week's time. Can that be so? Logan seems to think so. This device of yours is all we were waiting for. If the procedure goes smoothly, it could even be sooner. But you'll have to be patient with her. She'll be quite weak and more than a little bewildered. Understandably so. I can't imagine what this must be like for her. You have accommodation set up? Yes, we're quite prepared. It will take some getting used to for us as well. But I'm sure it will all work out once she's settled in. I have two girls of my own about her age, 12 and 9. I'm sure they'll adore each other, and I will treat her as if she were my own. And what about Madame Lynn? Is she prepared? Prepared? (laughs) She could not have been more astonished when I brought up the idea of of adopting a third girl, but she's a good mother. I'm sorry she wasn't able to come with me, but I wanted to draw as little attention to this trip as possible. Of course, she doesn't know about the girl, not everything. So that's when Scarlet reveals herself. Yes. There's a lot of information in those There really is. In that one page. Right? And for Scarlett to be hearing this, you know she's automatically thinking, okay, so, right, Grandma's talking about me. How, you know, I'm a burden to her. She wants to get rid of me. Like, what is going on? I mean, I would have thought that they were talking, that she was talking about me, too, because who else would it be? And we as the reader know 
that it's probably Celine, and we know that right. this is Langarin, but Scarlet doesn't know any of that. And she certainly didn't know that when she was 13. Exactly. So all she would know is, Grandma wants to get rid of me. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to make her really upset. And then think about it, too, because she says, she talks about, because Grandma says about doing a procedure, if the procedure goes smoothly. So if I were Scarlett, I'd be like, procedure? What is she going to do to me? Right. You know? Like, not just who am I going to go live with and why don't we care who it is, but what? Right? What's going on? What are you going to do? What procedure do I need done that nobody wants to tell me about? <laughs> And why are we worried about if it goes smoothly or not? Why does it going smoothly determine if I'll be ready to go? And why am I going to be weak and bewildered? Right? Yeah. Like, it's all, it's all very, um, very eerie. It's circumstantial. And that's what makes it hard for Scarlet because who else is it supposed to be? It doesn't know any different. Which is why as soon as someone introduces the idea of there may have been a secret princess hiding at your farm... It's not circumstantial anymore. It couldn't just be her. Maybe it's this princess. And that's what makes that a, a big reveal, I think. And this is how right. we find out. There's two A catches here. This is how much Garen knew about her before adopting her. And this is how much Audrey knew about when adopting her. Right. Both questions Cinder had way back in the middle of Cinder, in the middle of her book. So well yeah. over 500 pages ago. Right. Those Been Easter eggs are... Once you start looking for them, it's like, wow, that really was like a hint. We don't get the answer to that question for a while. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Yes. Oh, man. So I'm a little sad because Garen was like, Audrey will be fine. <laughs> that makes me sad because it means he didn't know his wife very well. And as a spouse, I, I'm disappointed in that. I... I have what I would consider a happy and successful relationship. And it makes me sad to think that someone didn't know their spouse as well as they thought they did. Yeah, that is pretty sad. Either that or he was just trying to brush it off and pretend like he thought it would be okay. I don't know. Maybe even if he thought that she wasn't going to be okay with it at first, maybe he thought, well, she'll grow to love her and it'll be fine. You know, I don't know. I wonder how much about the girl... She did know. Like, I wonder, because it says bringing a third girl. So did she know she was cyborg? My guess would be no. Because that seems to be a big deal for Audrey and Pearl, is that she's right. cyborg. Not that guess, she's adopted, but that she's cyborg. I would guess that he probably didn't tell her that ahead of time. <laughs> I would guess my so, guess. too. And also, and this is something I mentioned in Cinder as well, but I think it's weird that they use the term step family, even though she's adopted. Because it makes it yeah. seem like Garen adopted her, but Audrey didn't. She may have also kept that term just to kind of stay with the Cinderella story. Well, she I was, was wondering if Audrey perhaps wanted that term to help separate Cinder. That's yeah, I could see that too. That would As definitely like, be I her character. Yeah, because she's constantly like, "I didn't want you, Garen wanted you." So like right. she's like she uses that as a way to remind Cinder of her role and her place. She wasn't adopted by Audrey; she was adopted by Garen. Garen's yeah. gone. This isn't your family. This is your step family, and we didn't ask for you. Like, and Marissa yeah. Meyer may have been using that 
you know, as well as like a contextual clue for us. But I was just curious. Yeah, I think that sounds good. That makes sounds, sense. Sounds plausible. Yeah. Scarlet's discovered. They tell Grandma's pretty pissed. Says not to eavesdrop and go to your room. <laughs> and then they never talk about it again. Nope. This is making me a little sad because Scarlett is like, I thought, you know, she feels really upset. She thought they were a team after all these years together. Mm-hmm. And she feels really betrayed by her grandmother. And throughout this whole book, 260 pages, we're given this idea that her and her grandmother have this like really secure relationship, this really strong and trusting bond. And that everything she's been going through with all these secrets getting revealed about grandma is this huge betrayal. But right. if we're to interpret the fact that Scarlett thought Grandma wanted to get rid of her six years ago, she's been betrayed by this woman before. Yeah, that's what I would think, too. And it just shows you that, you know, maybe she their relationship wasn't as strong as we thought that it was. But, I mean, the other thing is, too, like, with as much as she really wants to go after her grandmother and find her too. I think, you know, she still like loves her very much, even though she may have gotten hurt by her. And maybe they just had some like ups and downs in their relationship and just some bad points. I mean, we all do. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I just felt bad when I read this because then it said that she lives in fear for like a whole month, wondering if the man is going to come for her and what is going to happen, you know? I think a part of her probably never got over that fear. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she hadn't. I think I think that's the type of fear that I would never get over. And I also think it brings a whole new meaning to the quote that Grandma said when she gave Scarlett the gun back on for her 11th birthday, back on page 25 and 26, where she said, you just never know when a stranger will want to take you somewhere you don't want to go. Oh, yeah. That definitely like, gives a lot more meaning to that. She told that to Scarlett on her 11th birthday when she handed her a pistol. And then two years later, Scarlett lived in fear for over a month that a stranger was going to come and take her away. Like that feels, it feels different knowing that quote now, I think. I agree. That's a whole different, puts a whole different perspective on it. And maybe it did for Scarlett too. Yeah, I think, I think, I think part of it probably did because now you're talking about, like, maybe Scarlett could have been like, oh, maybe she was hinting at getting rid of me back then, and that's why she gave me the gun or something. Right. So mm-hmm. Wolf kind of pulls her out of this reverie, and it turns out that he was holding her, and she mm-hmm. fell asleep, and she was crying <laughs> in her sleep, so he tried to wake her up, but it's just a bad dream. It's fine. You know. <laughs> I'm fine. The biggest lie that we tell. I'm fine. Right. All the time. Two most dangerous words. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we get a really good visual here of the city lights coming in as they leave the country and they approach Paris. I don't know if anybody listening, but I've done it. Car rides in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> Long drives. We had to drive from Nebraska to Illinois uh, one night at the last minute for a funeral unexpectedly. And we were on the road from like seven at night to like three in the morning. So just all dark. Yeah, and it is it is like a really cool thing when you, you know, because you, you kind of drive through the middle of nowhere, but then when you do come across a city like that, then to see all the lights coming to view, it looks really pretty. Yeah, I would say the same if you're ever on an airplane at night. Yes, 
Definitely. When you're on an airplane at night, it's very dark. And you can always tell when you're approaching the airport because it starts to get brighter as you get closer Mm -hmm. to the ground and closer to the airport. And it's a really cool sort of visual effect, especially if it's like a major airport like LAX or something, because it's just like such a colossal wave of lights. And it's it's really pretty. So anybody who goes on a red eye, just make sure you've got that window ping so you can (laughs) go check out the lights coming in. Yes. (laughs) So this is a little bit of an egg hatch here, too. She remembers something that might involve the princess. This dream might be something to do with the princess. And she tells Wolf, but instead of him being excited, he looks terrified. Right? Which I was like, why? This should be like a good thing, right? Why? Why is he terrified? Yeah. So she says This man had an Eastern Commonwealth accent. His wife's name was Lynn. And that she said she would recognize him if she saw him. Would she? Right. I we know. That know. Witness, we know that witness testimony is one of the most misleading pieces of information used in a court of law. Because human memory is very faulty, to say right. the least. It was dark. She was distraught. It was five years ago. And she mm-hmm. saw him for maybe, what, a minute? Yeah, there's Are no way she'd sh- remember. <laughs> and I don't think she would remember. I don't remember what my third grade teacher looked like. And I saw her almost every day for six months. So <laughs> I got I got to say no. I'm sorry, girl. No. Agreed. <laughs> I don't think you would remember him if you saw him. I feel like you want to so you can tell the gang that. Right. Because that's valuable information. But exactly. I don't know if you really would remember it. I don't think that she would. No. So Wolf pretends... <laughs> <laughs> this is really out of character for him. He basically puts his hands over his ears and goes, la, la, la I can't hear you. Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I was totally picturing this. Yeah. sitting there and I was laughing. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. She thought it was good information. Why can't she have it? Isn't this what you wanted? And he says, don't go. He basically begs her not to go. He says, would your grandmother want you to put yourself in danger? We can run away together. We can go to the Eastern Commonwealth. We can go to Africa. Everybody wants to go to Africa in this book. Um, (laughs) I'll protect you. I will keep you safe. And Scarlett's like, "What? you wanted information and I have information. What are you talking about? Run away. Right. It's like, hello, we need to go find my grandmother. This is, you know, could maybe help us. So what, why all of a sudden are you changing your mind? I have to agree with Wolf on this. She does not have anything specific. This is all speculation. I may have overheard a conversation six years ago in the middle of the night where they (laughs) talked about someone who could be me, but could also be a person I never knew was in my home. True. With a man whose name I do not know (laughs) and whose location I do not know Mm. over a person I do not know. It is very vague, but at the same time, when you're feeling as desperate as she is and so wanting to find your grandmother, you know, I mean, you'll try anything and to, you know, you'll do what you can. It's something, which is more yeah. than nothing, of course. And it's more than what she's had so far. Because he even says to her, you know, maybe if you had a whole full name and an address or something specific, this might actually help, but I'm not sure it's going to. No, and they'll just take you captive in hopes that you can identify him. Right. She's like, well. Think about, think about like, let's pretend that this is an average human being. So she, and, and she has to go to like a lineup, like what they do at police stations. So there's five men. 
they're all Caucasian, five foot ten with brown hair, brown eyes, and a similar build. You're gonna tell me you can tell you can pick them out of a lineup. That's the that's that whole thing. Can you pick them out of a lineup? Right. And you I saw don't... his face once for a minute in the dark six years ago when you were thirteen. Right. I I just don't know if I could remember it. I don't think that she could. I couldn't. Da- definitely not. I think even just his height would be off balance because like she was probably shorter. And I think when you're when you're young, everybody seems really, really tall. That's true. Like I'm five foot two and everyone in the world seems really tall to me. But I remember I remember <laughs> when I was younger, I thought people I thought everybody was so tall, especially being yeah. 13. Yeah, that's what because that's what you think at that age, because you're still growing and, you know, you're just surrounded by lots of other people like who are not your peers, all the adults, and they look so much taller than you. Yeah. And they all look old, too, because it's like the other thing that they're going to have to do to try because it's like, okay, could she identify him? How would she identify him? They're going to have to round up a bunch of people that follow whatever description she gives them. Right. And then she picks him out of that lineup. So they're going to ask, well, how old did he look? Well, when you're 13, well. <laughs> everybody looks old. Exactly. I remember my 20-year-old babysitter looking like a 45-year-old when I was 12. So <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel like this is just all unraveling really quickly for her. <laughs> I agree. It is. She She's says, well, grasping at straws right now. She really is. Yeah. And I don't I don't necessarily blame her for that. I just want to make it clear that I'm not sure she could identify him if she tried to. Yeah. I'm not sure that image is as clear in her mind as she wants it to be. So right. Scarlett says, well, we'll trade me for her and you can protect her. <laughs> I have <Yeah>. issues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anybody to judge me. I'm not a selfish person. I would, I've always said that, you know, I don't know if I could kill for someone, but I could easily die for someone. But I do struggle a little bit with let's sacrifice an 18 year old for someone who's in their early 70s and has already lived a very long and full life. So then you're not a fan of Beauty and the Beast? (laughs) Where Belle did that for her dad? (laughs) Well, he wasn't like 70. He was like 40 and halfway through his life. But I know I have I have (laughs) issues with the concept of like your life is more important than someone else's. Yeah, that makes sense. At the same time, you know, it's it's also on the other side of it. Like, well, I'm a lot younger than you, you know, and I can handle this better than you can. I could handle like if they decided to torture me or whatever and try and get information out of me. I can handle going longer without food or water, or that kind of thing. So maybe she's trying to yeah, think of it guess, that perspective. And I guess from that perspective, too, you could think of it as like, she's more likely to get out and still have the rest of her life to live. Whereas grandma could die in that circumstance. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to play devil's advocate for a minute. <laughs> it is an 18 year old giving up her entire future for someone who's 72 and already lived a full life. So it's, it's a little bit of a conundrum there. Um, yes. I know my husband and I had an issue last year because one of my cousins they told us that she might need a kidney transplant and I was going to be the most likely person to be a match. And I was like, okay. And he was like, well, I feel like we should like talk about this. I was like, why? It's my kidney. Right. Like, yeah, but like you, what if you need it? I don't, I'm going to need it, but so does she, like she needs it now. And I have an extra one. 
Right. Like this you was can a huge, huge conversation. <laughs> oh, I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> but I just feel like it's this concept of like some people, it's like, yeah, of course I would do that for someone I love. Why wouldn't I? But there are people out there that are like, why on earth would you do that? And it feels like Wolf, Wolf is like that. Wolf is like, why would you sacrifice yourself for her when you don't even know if she's still alive? Right. Then he says that. What if she's not alive? What if she's dead? He drops that bomb. Like, oh. Uh... I mean, we should have already been t- thinking that. Like, what if she's dead? Because at this point, yeah. they've had her for over two weeks. And if you watch crime scene, like crime TV shows... <laughs> <laughs> You've got like a good 72 hours and then they start to think that they're looking for bodies, not people. So, yeah, two weeks is a long (laughs) time. I mean, that's what you expect when you hear missing persons reports and they're like, it's been six years. Everybody's like, oh, they're gone. Right. They're dead. That's a ghost in the wind at that point. And that's why missing persons are so difficult because it is like, well, what do you do? How do you find this person? How do you locate this person? And in this society, it feels like. It's slightly easier to find them if they have their ID chip. Right. But it also feels like they don't know what to do without the ID chip. Like they become reliant on the ID chip. So if someone doesn't have an ID chip, they're like, well, how are we supposed to find them? They don't have an ID chip. Right. Case closed. What do we, there's nothing else we can do. Right. And which is why Scarlett's the only one doing all of this actual, you know, detective work and trying to locate her grandmother. And as they're going through this conversation, they're, the train is starting to slow down. It's pulling into the station. And Scarlet says, you really think they killed her? And Wolf says, well, not yet. And he feels like he should have lied to her. Yeah. It would be mercy to lie to you. Making you believe she was dead was the only chance I had to convince you not to go looking for her. I should have lied. Yeah. That's hard. Lying's hard. It is. Especially when you care about somebody and... You want to protect them in any way that you can, but you have to figure out what the best way to do that is, which is yeah. what he's kind of doing. And I think I've talked before <laughs> on here about guilt gut. Did you ever hear that episode? I think so. Yeah. But I have trouble lying because my mom gaslighted me as a child <laughs> and tricked me into thinking it would give me an ulcer. And now if I lie, I get a really bad stomach ache. Um, (laughs) so I, I have issues with people talking about lying as, you know, in such a casual way. Cause I'm like, you're going to get a tummy ache. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Like go get some peppermint tea. Oh man. Yeah. Wolf is basically like, okay, well I can't stop you now. And we're pulling into the station. So yeah, she says, don't come with me. Just tell me where to go and what to do. Maybe I won't. Mm, That's yeah. No. Yeah. At that point, it's just kind of like stupid. Like she's just being stupid now. Like I could, I could just picture this as like an, you know, like an angry fight. Like, and she's just being stubborn. Yes, they both kind of are. They're both being stubborn in this way. Yeah, he goes, well, maybe I won't come. You're coming. Of course, he is. You're going. (laughs) All right. Here's why I have another issue. So what's really cute is that she cups his face in her hands, which I think is sweet. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'll be a trade. They can't keep me forever. Um, I'm sorry. Who the f- said they can't keep you forever? Right. <laughs> what reason do they have to let you go? And also, no. um, they don't have to keep you. When they're done with you, they can just kill you. They're a gang. I don't know. But the thing is, is she being that naive and not thinking about that? Or is she just saying that to try and, like, make him feel better? Although that wouldn't make sense either because he knows. Because he, like, he knows better than she like, does. Yeah. 
uh, I don't know. That is, it is kind of frustrating. Yeah. I can't imagine the whole concept of they can't keep me forever. I don't see how not. Of course they can. They can do whatever (laughs) they want. If they're as powerful as they seem to be, there's no reason why they can't keep you forever without like outside help or something. Like, well, right. Like you said, it felt very naive to me for her to be like, well, they can't keep me forever. I I genuinely (laughs) don't see why not. Exactly. They totally can. She gives him a quick kiss and he says, well, they might kill you. You're basically sacrificing your life for hers. She says, I have to take that chance. And he says, you'll do what you have to do. And so will I. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) Which I kind of like that ending where he like he kisses her wrist and then he's like, and so will I. Yeah, it was a sweet moment. There were 10 Easter eggs in this chapter. Phew. There were a lot. Um, a lot. So we had a Patreon suggestion of Memories by Panic at the Disco being the chapter title. I chose For You by Demi Lovato. Are you familiar with that song? I'm sure if I heard it, I would know it. Sometimes I like know songs by hearing them, but I don't always know the titles of them. Yeah. So, well, some of the lyrics in this one that really stood out to me, it's literally, I do anything for you. Mm, yeah. Nail my heart to the ceiling, put my fist through a wall. Yeah. I feel like that's where Scarlett is right now. She would do anything for grandma so much that it's blinding her to the actual danger she's putting herself in. Right. That kind of like a tunnel vision. She's so hyper-focused on how do I save grandma that she doesn't necessarily take a moment to think about the consequences that there could be for her, but also for other people that might be involved. Right. So I agree. What was your song choice? I picked Unsteady by Ex Ambassadors. And I know that the song is technically about a little boy who's like witnessing his parents arguing and, you know, they're going to get a divorce or whatever. But I still feel like it's appropriate here because it talks about, um, you know, it says, I feel unsteady, you know, hold on to me. And I feel like that's how Scarlett feels too, especially at the very beginning because she's just had that dream and she's remembering that, um, memory about her grandmother and thinking that she was talking about her with Garen and you know she kind of is trying to figure all that out and I just feel like she is at a very kind of fragile unsteady place and needs somebody like Wolf who can who she can hold on to and who can help her yeah I completely agree and I also think that some of the lyrics really shadow that even though it's about you know a mom and and father and child, you could still put Scarlett in that situation because yeah. she was having issues with her dad, which is why she left in the first place. And then she had this kind of altercation with her grandma, which is her basically, for what we know, that's her only mother figure. So right. I, th- I think that is a good choice. Well, thank you. So Patreon members will get to vote on which one we choose. What was your quote for this chapter? Okay. So mine is just, it's a quote that I just really like how the description of it, um, it says, every moment wrapped around Scarlet's neck, strangling her until the only possible word from Wolf's lips had to be yes. Yes, she was dead. Yes, she was gone. They'd murdered her. These monsters had murdered her. And I just like that description because, you know, when you think about like, 
when something like that happens and you experience something traumatic and you're thinking about, you know, like this, possibly with somebody you love being dead or being murdered, you really do. You feel like you can't breathe. You have that moment of just feeling like the wind gets knocked out of you or whatever. So I really just loved this description. I thought it painted a very vivid visual. I agree. And I, I like the way that you extended that by saying getting the knock, the wind knocked out of you. I think that's another mm-hmm. good, um, I was going to say visual, but it's not a visual. It's like a textual thing, like a imagery. There's a word. Yeah. You use that word so much. And yet I couldn't think of it. I think it, it's another good imagery moment. Yes, it is. So my quote was, I can keep you safe, Scarlet. I can protect you. Mm, I did love that too. I really like the character trait Wolf has of wanting to protect Scarlet. Yeah. Which we saw from the very beginning when he picked a grown man off the ground by his neck for a (laughs) redhead he didn't know. Perhaps because I'm small and, you know, I, I, I don't want that to imply anything. I'm not implying that small people are weak. I'm weak. I mean, I have a seizure disorder, so put me outside in a lightning storm and you win, right? Right. But <laughs> so I, I like feeling comforted and safe and protected. I feel that way around specific people, especially my husband. I feel that way around my dogs. Scamp will attack Quentin if he's being rude, so I have no, <laughs> I don't have any doubt that he would attack a stranger. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> but I, I like that someone is looking out for Scarlet right now because if Wolf hadn't been there, Scarlet may have already found a way or a reason to be in Paris, especially with the visit from her dad. Only she would be there by herself with no one looking over her shoulder, with no one trying to keep her safe Mm -hmm. and with no one trying to protect her. So at least there's someone and Wolf seems genuinely concerned about her well-being. So just glad somebody's looking out for the poor girl now that Granny's gone. Me too, because she needs that. Clearly, she's not thinking very clearly. So she needs somebody to be the brains and be like, listen, this is what you need to do. I'm going to keep you safe because you're not thinking straight right now. Which we're going to see a lot of in Chapter 26. So let's, yep. <laughs> let's start <laughs> <On> there. Note. <laughs> so Chapter 26, we're still with Wolf and Scarlet, which I think is good because that was a yeah. really intense moment to kind of leave them. And I'm glad that we didn't leave them. We get to continue the scene of like, all right, they're to Paris. Now this is what's going to happen. And they pull into this really busy train station and they have to sneak off because they're stowaways. And Wolf kind of pulls her out of the way right before an android sees them, which I think just the whole setting of this kind of gives you like Mission Impossible type vibes. Like I can hear the the like music in the background of them trying to get away. (laughs) The, The station is all loud and they're sneaking around and, at the last minute, Wolf pulls her back before a train almost hits them. And oh gosh, I yeah, I, I thought this was a really good visual. I did too. So he pulls her back right before a train hits them and he says, now we can go. And it's just, that's just another example of why she needs somebody to be with her because, you know, like we've talked about before, my husband is also in the military and something that he has always stressed to me with safety is just being aware of your surroundings at all times. Like even if you're at the gas station pumping your gas because people can try and like take advantage of you there or do different things like wherever you are. And she is so not in that place. (laughs) I mean, she was about to walk in front of a moving train and didn't even yeah. notice, you know, like he has to pull her away. Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I have similar mannerisms because like we said, I'm small and I'm scared. Right. 
But I grew up with a dad who was a single dad of four girls. I mean, he was worried about certain things as he should be. And as a woman, I still worry about those things. And, you know, like I said, I've been walking about 10 miles a day and I was walking the other day in my neighborhood and there was someone behind me and I didn't think much of it, except he was behind me for like two miles and he kept making all the turns I made. Yikes. And so what I did was I put myself on the opposite side of the street and I started making it really clear that I was around. Anyone that drove past, I was like, hey, hi, trying to get their attention. Like, I wanted if something happened, I wanted eyewitnesses who could be like, yes, I saw a tiny, (laughs) a tiny brunette with curly hair walking on this street (laughs) at that time of day. Like there's a case from Wyoming or Michigan or something a few years ago. This girl got kidnapped off of the street there's a 20 second clip Mm -hmm. that's how long it took him to drag her down the road and in the video you can see her throw her phone her glasses and her shoe and that kind of knew it was her that got taken because i can't see who it is on the video right but she in that moment you can see her like take off her glasses and throw them she deliberately kicks off her shoe she throws her phone and that's how they knew it was her that went missing smart girl and i was like i don't know if i could have thought of that in that moment obviously scar wouldn't have thought of that no Um, (laughs) (laughs) but these are the types of things that you should prepare for but obviously we don't always think of that i have mace all over my house and in my purse. Um, Never hurts to carry nope. that. And my husband Very carries smart. it, and it's not like he's a small person. It's helpful for anybody. Yeah. Because you never know. Yeah. And I, I know that some people don't really think about this stuff, and some people call it paranoia. But, I mean, when one in three women has to worry about getting mm-hmm. kidnapped, it's, oh, just, yeah. it's really cheap. Buy some mace. Remember to put your keys in between your fingers like Wolverine, like, yeah, that's Make a good sure. idea. Oh, you've never heard that one? No, I like yeah. that. Yeah, my dad taught me that one. You put your keys in between your fingers like Wolverine, and then you can just... Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to do that from now on. That's a good one. I'm telling nice. you. <laughs> <laughs> we are just shared tips and tricks on how not to get kidnapped. <laughs> I've read so many articles on this stuff ever since listening to that Unsolved podcast. It just makes me like more curious about how I can help myself in the future if I need hey, to. But that's good. That's good. Want to be Better. prepared. Yeah, exactly. Better to be prepared than not. Just yeah. in case. So they're about to go and Scar sees this middle-aged man watching them, staring mm-hmm. at them over his port. And we find out in a few pages that he's actually a lookout for the gang. I want to point out that this is similar to the first time we saw Ran yes. at the train station. He was mentioned in a group of passerbys with a woman and her baby carriage and some old lady and then this guy in a suit. And then later it's revealed he's a member of the pack. So I just want to point that out. This is our second moment of them kind of blending in. Yeah. So the city's quiet. It's really early in the morning. They're not far from, I can't speak French, so Gare de Leon. Yeah, I have no idea. I can't speak French either. So I'm still I trying don't to know. figure out Spanish, guys. <laughs> Before I forget, it says that he's staring curiously over his port. A listener named Andrew did reach out to me. We discussed several episodes back the size that a port must be. Yeah. If you pay attention to the graphic novels, it's about the size of an iPhone. That makes sense. 
I have a really small hand, but it's about the size <laughs> of a hand. So, like, it's not like he's peeking over a giant newspaper and you can only see his eyes. Like, he's right. just, you can see his whole face. Oh, yeah. Staring right at them. But it says he just looks curious. Right. The one we see later is not as not curious. Good. No, no, he's not <laughs> as good at hiding. The wolf starts sniffing the air <laughs> like a dog. I thought was funny. Okay. <laughs> but Scarlet only smells the city and fresh bread, which, ooh, I love fresh bread. Me too. And Wolf heads northwest. We get a little bit of a description of the city. Yeah. The street was lined with imposing second era bow art structures and flower boxes hanging from stone wrapped windows. An ornate clock tower stood in the distance, its face lit up and showing two broad pointed hands and Roman numerals. Below it stood a digital screen that read 0426 beside an ad for the newest model of house android. So I'm assuming they're talking about the giant clock tower that's in Paris. I just thought it was funny because I was reading it and I was like, okay, so it has this like beautiful or it says ornate clock tower. So I'm picturing, I'm picturing something like, you know, Big Ben in my head because that one I am familiar with. But then it says that it has the digital time <laughs> underneath it. And I was like, that kind of cheapens it a little bit. Like a it little bit. Like it you takes know, away like, the, the fanciness of it. It takes away like the vintagey, old-fashioned antiquiness that I was picturing in my head. You know, like I completely agree. <laughs> I was like, um, oh, but a there is clock. A, clo- a clock tower in Paris atop the Gare de Lyon. I'm, hmm. so, I'm so sorry because I know there's probably people who are like, you say it like this, but I really don't know how to say it. But that's, that's okay. where the clock tower is. It kind of looks like Big Ben, but not as yellow. Um, okay. But it's 4.30 in the morning. Yep. And they're going to walk because it's not that far. And apparently Wolf's arm doesn't bother him anymore, which is good. Right. You know, yep. Because Scarlet shot him, which I'm still not over. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the last, like, four episodes, but I'm still not over her. Uh-huh. I'm still upset about her shooting him. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm glad that she, you know, lives. She keeps her promises. She's not just all talk. But oh, oh my goodness, I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> they're almost there, almost to the order of the pack. Maybe they're on their way to death. But Whoa. all that matters is Grandma. Yes. And I got Cinder vibes here because we saw in her book that Cinder has no sense of self-preservation. She's reckless. She -hmm. makes quick decisions without thinking of consequences. She's like self-sacrificing and selfless. Like when she went to the ball to save Kai. Yeah. We are seeing the exact same behavior out of Scarlet. Only Scarlet's is all fueled towards grandma and now Wolf too. Right. Now she's worried about, look, I I don't want Wolf to die either. I don't want to let him die. Yeah. You're right. She is acting the same way. She's not thinking very clearly. She's just kind of like, I have to save grandma. I have to find her. I have to do what I can, no matter what. And it has to be her. It can't be anybody else. Right. Nobody else is good enough. Nobody else find grandma. She has to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did try to reach out to the authorities who didn't take her seriously, but it still feels like an independent mission, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. I agree. So there's more city descriptions, and there's a a shampoo that'll change your hair color to match your mood. 
which is hilarious. That's just and such a random thing to include. I was I was picturing this as I was reading it, and I was like, okay, if I had shampoo, that would do that. And then I thought, okay, well, probably when I was angry, my hair would turn red. What color would it turn when I was happy? What color would it turn if I was confused? And I was thinking of going through all these things, and I thought, I really don't want that. Like, I don't want people being like, you know, because it would probably come with like a color guide. Your hair, like those, like mood rings used mood to do. Mood rings come you know? with a color guide. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, so the shampoo probably does. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, and what if, does lying count as a mood? Like, would <laughs> your hair change colors if you were lying? And then people would know. No, thank yeah, you. <laughs> I didn't think of that, but that's not good. I was thinking of Ridium Girls. Okay. Do you know what that is? No. Radium is glow-in-the-dark stuff. Oh, okay. And it was really, really big in the, like, 30s and 40s when it was first coming out. And these women, they're called radium girls, they were instructed when painting, like, watches and stuff with these tiny little brushes to lick and twist the brush so that the strands of the hair stayed together to make a perfect line. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, they were told it was perfectly safe. Ridium was even suggested to cure certain diseases and ailments. And it wasn't revealed until decades later when their jaws started falling apart and their <gasps> teeth started coming out that it was poisoning them. And several of these women died or had severe disabilities that developed because of the Ridium poisoning. And so yeah. I, reading that, I was like, well, I wonder what's going to happen in 20 years when all these people who use the shampoo and right? their hair starts falling out or something. <laughs> like, it seems, because also, like, did you ever have a mood ring? They were, they would change yeah. your, the color of your finger, too, because they were usually cheap made metal. very cheap metal. So they would start to rust off on your hand. Yep. And there was, like, this joke in the 90s about, like, how you didn't need a mood ring to see someone's mood. You just needed to take it off. Right. <laughs> so that's what I thought of. Like, I wonder if this has been properly prototyped. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's hope nobody comes up with this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, somebody just got the idea from this episode, right? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scarlett starts thinking about how she just wants to go home to the reality that she knows. But Wolf is the reality that she wants. And then she realizes she can't let him go. Right. She can't let him put himself in danger. She doesn't want to be responsible for him. Just tell her what to do and where to go and she'll do it by herself. Yep. And I love, I love that line, by the way, that says that he's the reality that she wants. I was like, oh my gosh. I just had to stop for a second when I was reading that. It's a really sweet way to word it. She yearned for the solitude of the farm, the only reality she knew. So she's thinking about like, her safe space, her happy place. And her happy place that she knows of is the farm. But the happy place that she wants is Wolf. And I think that's a really good way of bringing us into that moment with her because it is really sad. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful and poetic, but it's also really sad that she's realizing this while they're walking to the guillotine. And I use guillotine because we're in France, so... Hey, no, I didn't want to say walking to the gallows when we're in France. <laughs> and the other reason I liked it, too, was because 
earlier, like on that same page at the top of the page, it says that she wanted to reach out to him, like and to grab his hand, but then she didn't. And it says that there was an abyss opening up between them, cutting through whatever they'd shared on the train. And that made me really sad. And then, so then to come down here and read this and say, you know, that he's the reality that she wants. I was like, okay, good. Like that put a little bit um, of that happiness back in me. Cause I'm like, okay, maybe then that abyss will close and it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be good. I agree because also there's, they're on this mission together. They're on this journey together. And Wolf is kind of leading her. He's the one that she's following. So she, part of her wanting to reach out might just be to experience those last few moments they have together where they know that they're still safe. Right. Before I, they go into whatever. I don't know about you, Quentin and I don't really hold hands very often, but we're if we're in like a crowded, because he's over a foot taller than me, so holding hands is like me bent at the elbow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me reaching up just a little bit. If we're in a crowded place of some kind, he's holding my hand. Right. I'm not getting lost. <laughs> right. We, no, that's what we do too. <laughs> I went to Universal with my sisters and we held hands like a chain because I was like, and it was my sister Lindsay who was on episode 42 we did Frozen together and it was Lindsay's idea because she's 5'11 and Samantha's 5'9 and I'm 5'2 oh man she's like if we get separated you can see me I'm not gonna see you (laughs) we're all holding hands hands. I was like yeah let's let's hold hands I'm not getting lost do it I don't want to lose you (laughs) I am right there with you on that one I'm not sure that I'm a fun target. At <laughs> I am an old lady, and I'm happy that way. I had a super cool fanny pack on. <laughs> oh, man. My sisters were making fun of me for, but they were jealous when they had to keep, you know, getting lockers to put their purses in, and I've got my fanny mm-hmm. pack. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I can take my fanny pack on a ride if I want to because they didn't care. Like, I don't have to leave my stuff anywhere. I'm good. That is very smart. That is yeah. very smart because I hate having to put my stuff in lockers or leave it in like the little cubbies at the beginning of the ride. I'm like, it always makes me so nervous. Yep. I had my fanny pack. I had like a little miniature wallet that just had like a like a couple IDs and some cash and a credit card. I had chapstick, sunscreen, a little tiny thing of sunscreen. Oh, man. It's for my sisters. I don't sunburn, but both of my sisters do and they always forget sunscreen. Of course. That's how it goes. And then I had, I had a little thing of band-aids and um, some hand sanitizer. You were well prepared. I am. All in your fancy, fancy fanny pack. It actually is a fancy <laughs> fanny pack. It's meant for hiking. So it has little clips oh. on it. And it also has a spot for your water bottle. Nice. I like that. So I was that. walking around with my fanny pack and my water bottle. I didn't have to carry anything the whole day. Mm, it was great. My sisters kept good. carrying around all this stuff. And I was like. All right, I'm ready to go. And they're carrying around like their drinks and stuff. And I've got it in my fanny pack. My that super cool fanny nice. pack. <laughs> oh, man. So she finally tells Wolf, like, just don't leave. I can't let you go. Just tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. And Wolf just stares at her. And then he goes, okay. Do you see the man sitting in front of the closed cafe on the other side of the street? I feel like Wolf is slightly irritated when he says this. I know it doesn't say that, but the description of how he's talking to her beforehand makes me feel like he's frustrated. So it says, 
He stared down at her for a long moment, and she tried to see the softness in his stark green eyes, but the warmth and desperation that had been so apparent on the train ride were now replaced with a cold resolve. He pried mm -hmm. his arm away. Do you see the man sitting in front of the closed cafe on the other side of the street? I mean, like, I feel like he's frustrated because he's like, totally. It's not the time to tell me to go home now. Right. I could totally see that he's frustrated because he's been trying to tell her for so long how dangerous it is. And she's just not getting it. You know, and she's still just so persistent and insistent on going and doing this. And then, no, I can be by myself. And he's like, no, you don't understand. We're already in the thick of this. We're already being watched by people. Like the pack members are yeah. here. They're watching us. Like, listen, you stupid girl. Like, you're not this, safe. This feels to me like a kind of like a mood changer. So yeah. Wolf reveals that the man in the cafe is a lookout. There was also one, the gentleman that we saw looking at his port screen in the train was a lookout. According to Wolf, there's probably one right around the corner. We passed another one at the Magrail two blocks back. Yeah. These people, for a gang that has no internet presence, they're pretty impressive because it kind of feels oh, yeah. like they own the city. Like, it feels like they run this town. It's like they're the mafia. Like, you, know? you can't, literally can't get on and off a train without them knowing where you are every step of the way. Because if you think about it, Rand's a pack member, right? Right. So someone knew where they were at all times. It's really creepy. Someone saw them get on the train. Someone saw them get off the train and hike through the woods. Someone knows they got back on a different train. Someone was mm -hmm. waiting for them at the station when they got off that train. Someone is Ugh. following them. Someone is at that cafe across the street while they're walking. There's another person two blocks up. Like, Oh, my gosh. It is uh, it's so creepy. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of, I don't know if you ever had to read this for school, because I did, um, the book 1984 by George Orwell. And there's just cameras everywhere. So it's like Big Brother is always watching. Somebody is always watching. That's what this makes me think of. There's always somebody there. There's always a pair of eyes on you. Yeah, it feels creepy. like that. And it also feels like... I don't know what – I'm not sure there's anything else Wolf can do at this point to make her take things seriously. They've had her grandmother for over two weeks, and people are literally refusing to help her look for them. Mm -hmm. She's seen the scars that it's put on Wolf and hurt his testimony. She's seen what it's done to Rand and hurt his testimony. She saw how they literally tortured her father with a hot poker. Ugh. Until he was completely deranged and had a psychotic break. And now they're literally trailing them all over Paris. Basically all over France because they've been following them since Ryu. Right. So at this point in time, how do you not realize how dangerous this is? Like what? <laughs> I don't we're, know. We're basically holding up a big yellow sign that says <laughs> keep out and you're still like. Danger. Hey. It's like my husband and oh I were walking gosh. the other day and this there was this driveway because we live right by the a forest area and mm -hmm. some of the forest areas has houses and some of it what demolished during a Katrina and never got put back up. Okay. And there's one road that's kind of in between the trees that you can barely see. And there's no signs that say keep out, but there is a giant like wooden beam covered in screws blocking the drive. Oh, okay. Well. You don't have to say no trespassing for me to know I'm not supposed to go back there. Right. That makes perfect sense. 
is literally standing up. It was to my knees. Not okay. only five foot two, but like that's still pretty. Yeah. 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 And I'm I'm rounding up. I'm five one and a quarter. But I mean, that's still pretty. That's a pretty big log. Yeah. Like you don't need a sign that says "Don't come back here" for me to be like, "Nope, not going back there." Right. Exactly. But yet, <laughs> Scarlett apparently needs that because she's just not picking it up. I feel like there's uh, been plenty of red flags and warning signs, and Scarlett's just like, "Oh, I suddenly can't read." Huh. I'm just gonna <laughs> ignore everything around me and pretend everything is okay. It's really, it's, it's like we said, there's no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. Nope. So Scarlett says, well, how are they finding us? How did they do this? Mm. They've probably been tracking your ID. And here we get a callback quote from the detectives about why grandma had cut out her ID chip. That's what people did when they ran away and didn't want to be found. They cut out their ID chips. Yep. Which we also saw with Cinder and Thorn cutting out their ID chips. Right. Which is that smart. If you don't want to be found, you have to get rid of the tracking device in your arm. Makes sense, you know. <laughs> Which, But like Scarlett said, she's guessing kidnappers know that, too. Right. So she says, well, maybe they tracked yours. And he said, mm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if they <laughs> were tracking his, they would have been tracking his back when he was in Ruse. So I wonder if he's not, he doesn't have one. That's very possible. He seems like the type of person who would have gotten rid of his a long time ago. Right. Like when, he doesn't seem yeah. the type of person to miss that step. No, not at all. He's very <laughs> smart and clever and he knows what he's doing. Right. Very aware of his situation. So I would not be surprised if he does not have one. She starts to speculate. Is this how Rand found them? Yeah. And Wolf says at this point, we might as well find out what they want. Like we're just going to keep going. And Scarlett says, well, there's only three of them. You said you could fight off six. Oh, <laughs> she has this in moment where she comes to the realization that she's now made the word wolves synonymous with the men that are in this gang. Yeah. <laughs> so she thought when he said he could take on six wolves, she like immediately was like, you can take on six wolves. Of course you can take on three men. I want to point out there's one thing that men are going to have that wolves aren't, and it's called guns. Yep. And I don't care how fast you are. Movies are a lie. Anybody who knows how to shoot a gun is not going to miss. Exactly. I know, You're not- I know in movies there's always like a 20-minute chase scene where everybody's firing yeah. off and nobody ever gets shot. That's a total lie. Anybody who actually knows how to shoot a gun is going to shoot you. Agreed. Yep. That's why Scarlett shot him in the arm. Because she knows how to shoot a gun. And she yeah. was like, I'm going to shoot. You know, like. Exactly. That's something that's always bothered me about like movies and TV shows is someone who's like, a cop who's been trained with a gun for like oh. 10 years will be shooting. Like, I can't get a shot on the suspect. I don't know why not. Yeah. Sometimes I really, <laughs> I have to limit the amount of cop shows that I watch because I can't <laughs> deal with that as well. Because then, and then the bad person always runs. So you're like, they're like, you know, stop, put your hands up LAPD or whatever. And then I'm like, Oh, they're going to run. Sure enough to turn around. I'm like, it's just too predictable. Well, they do it in like FBI shows, which is what I usually watch. Uh, Scar says, well, you can still get away. You could take on these three guys. You can still get away. There's still a chance for you. Wolf says, I said I would protect you, and that's what I'm going to do. It's pointless to discuss this any further. He's done talking about it. It's time to go. We had time to talk about it on the train, and we were too busy making out and napping. Now we have to go. (laughs) Time to deal with this. Yeah. Scarlet says, I don't need your protection. He goes, yes, you do. And you do is (laughs) italicized. 
I could just, I was picturing this in my head and just seeing him like getting right up in her face. Like, yes, you do. Like, I'm going to, like, I want to strangle you right now because you're not listening to me. I'm going to pull your hair out or something. Like, just listen, you know, you do my protection. All of this has been nothing but a buildup to, of course you do. Could you have jumped off the train without him? Not safely. Could you have jumped back on the train with him? Not safely. Could you like have escaped the train obviously not because you would have gotten hit by another one by yourself you didn't notice these men were following you you certainly wouldn't have been able to fight off ran by yourself even with a gun so i'm not sure where you have this idea that you don't need help but it's here so just take it right and i think maybe i'm selfish because in this situation i'm like man i hope someone like quentin is with me no, I mean, I agree. Like, if I'm going into a situation like this, I want somebody with me. I want somebody there, big, burly man, you know, my husband, whoever, who can help me and protect me and take care of me. Yes. And, and I know that there's she's just, uh, I know that there's that whole concept that we're trying, that society is trying to fight back of the, the damsel in distress. And I do think that there's a lot of misrepresentation of damsel in distress and I do think that it has led to this sort of misconception that women are are weak and always need rescuing but I think it's okay if you want to be rescued I would rather be rescued that's just me if you're a girl and you see this situation and you're like I don't need help I don't need a protector that's fine I'll go with you because I need a protector whether it's a boy or a girl right like I, I'm, I'm naive and and clumsy, and I just know that I need help. Like I'm not above asking for help. I am I personally, No, I personally would not want to be in this situation. I would just be at home crying, like probably posting up flyers in the neighborhood. Like I'm not the person running down a gang in Paris at four no. o'clock in the morning. Me either. I'm right there with you. <laughs> she tells us that she can't be responsible for him. And that he's being stupid. And he says, what's stupid is not that I'm going to try and protect you. What's stupid is that I almost believe it'll make a difference. Yes, I loved that line. I wrote that down. (laughs) I was like, yep, there it is. (laughs) They could run away together. Oh, they could. But it wouldn't solve anything. No, and she's only known him for a day. Yeah. Oh, can't marry a man you just met. Can't marry a man you just said. Can your parents warn you about strangers? Yes. That was a fun episode to do with my sister. If anybody hasn't listened to it, episode 42, my sister and I talked about Frozen. And that was that was fun. My notes for that were crazy long. It was literally 18 pages. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, there's so And much. I swear half of it was, I swear half of it was me like describing a scene and then going LOL. Because <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so much watching it. Oh man. But you really oh, shouldn't gosh. be with a man you just met. Double, no. just, you know, that that guy. The man at the cafe is gone, and I did forget to mention that Scarlet locks eyes with the man at the cafe, and he winks at her. Oh. Uh, so it's yeah. not just that they're following them. It's that they want them to know that they're following them, and they're not mm-hmm. alone. Yep. And it even says, a chill crawled over her skin. And I was like, yeah, that totally gave me a shiver when I read that. Yeah, yep. Cringy, cringy, cringy. Yes, yuck. A block later, the memory of the Fourth World War caught up to them all at once. Mm. Ooh, 
There's so much distraction. It's so bad you can't reconstruct it. It's so bad that there's no interest from conservationist groups, and they can't demolish it because it's a major part of the city's history. Right. But World War Four has completely demolished this. Which is sad. Is I I mean, there are historical sites throughout the world that you can visit that are haunting memories of horrible past, like Auschwitz, the yeah. Berlin Wall. Yeah. There's places in Rome. Some people will say that every pyramid is a memory of a a wrong that was never righted because they were built on the back of dying Jewish slaves. You know, we saw yeah. a few we saw a few years ago in America how they tore down there were groups of people tearing down statues of people that depicted historical people that were pro-slavery and fought in the Confederate War and things like that. So we know that there are historical locations throughout yeah. the world that are usually protected and not rebuilt. 9-11 is probably the one I think we would all be most familiar with because right. most of us lived through it. It's not that long ago, but there are people... It's crazy, but it happened um, 19 years ago. So there are people listening who might have learned about it in a history book and not by watching it on their TV. So it is possible. And I think that's what makes this part hard is that we're not that far away from something like this in the world that we currently live in. And it's kind of scary. It's really scary. And, the you know, like it kind of makes me think of the Cold War and before the Berlin Wall fell when everything was just like I wasn't alive during that time. But I'm a history buff and I've studied that a lot. And it makes me Mm -hmm. think of the chaos that went on during that time where it was like, I mean, they had nuclear bomb drills in school because you never knew when a nuclear bomb was going to light the bitch on fire. So, (laughs) yeah, that's not something I want to ever think about my children having to have to experience, you know. I remember teaching preschool that we had to have active shooter drills. Oh, yeah. we. I worked in a school for a while when I was in Chicago, and we did that. But we it's sad. That. It's yeah. sad that we have to do that, but that is a thing. That's a reflection of the world that we live in. We had a – Quentin and I were walking on base a few weeks ago, and we got a last-minute shelter in place, and the base was on complete lockdown because somebody found an unmarked package – that looked like a bomb. Yikes. And it turned out it was a decoy. But uh, so it might have been a drill. They won't release that information. You know, that's not really how the military works. Right. But we live in a world that's scary. Um, mm-hmm. especially right now, like it's dangerous business leaving your front door, like Under Oath would say, that's a band, and that's one of their songs is called It's Dangerous Business Walking Out Your Front Door. Oh. How appropriate. <laughs> So the memory of World War Four being all around them, like this city of ruins and destruction, and I just really felt that walking around with them. I felt, and I thought it was interesting that Scarlett has an actual gasp while they're walking, and she has another memory where she remembers being in front of this building with her dad. Yeah. And he's, when she was a child, it's one of her only memories that's positive with him. Mm-hmm. And it's not just any building, it's the Louvre. Yes, famous like art museum in the world. I knew that one word in French. That's the only word that I knew. (laughs) I feel like I know I know how to pronounce words that I know how to pronounce. Does that make sense? 
Yes. Like I, if I've heard it or been corrected on how to say it, then I'll know how to say it. Like Auschwitz. My sister's first wife was not was. You don't stop being something. Um, (laughs) She was from Austria. So we got corrected a lot on how to pronounce things. And Auschwitz Mm -hmm. was one of them. Because a lot of times in the States, people say Auschwitz. And it's Auschwitz. So there are some words I know how to say just because I've been corrected on them. Like her name in the U.S., she just goes by Bridget because it's easier. Mm -hmm. But her actual name is Birgit. Oh, boy. But... What it is, is the way that she taught me to say it is basically you say beer gut, but instead of saying gut, you say it. And ah. you have to put an accent on the R and the G combination. So it's bitter gut. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. It took me forever to figure that out. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but that's the only reason I know how to say some things properly and then some things <laughs> I completely botch the pronunciation of. Because I read it. I never actually heard it. Oh. But she remembers it because her father told her about all this priceless art that was stolen, damaged, or lost, and has been lost for over a hundred years. They still haven't been found. The spoils of war. Yeah. They're never going to see those again. It makes me think of the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a librarian, so I think about... <laughs> I think about arts that have been lost, and those are things we will never get back, and it breaks my heart. It is really sad, because those are some precious, really amazing things, and to yeah, lose I mean, them. I, it's just yeah. one of those things, as a as a librarian, I want to protect knowledge and give everyone access to it. Like, I would love to get my hands on some of the Vatican records, mm-hmm. not because I care about Catholicism, but just because, like, there's so much history in that room. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. I would be a really good historical librarian if anybody's hiring. I would be (laughs) so invested in my job out of nothing more than curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the ghost hotel? A small motel advertised comes to the night with the ghosts of fallen civilians. So it's kind of it's funny. (laughs) Also a little creepy. But if you think about it, though, I mean, you know, here where we live and in our present day, this is in the future, but. People are like so fascinated by ghosts, you know, yeah. like everybody wants to go and check out spooky places. And even I, okay, so I listened to another podcast called Lore and um, he, he always talks about, you know, all these kind of like stories, true stories, but they're like creepy and dark and he has a lot of like ghost stories, but he'll talk about some of these places. And the first thing that I'll think is, I want to go there. Like I want to go stay at this hotel and check it out and see if a ghost haunts my room while I'm there. Like, which, and then I'm like, what am I thinking? (laughs) I am the opposite because I hear that. And I'm like, let's put that on a list of places. I'm never going to (laughs) go. Like, like oh. you hear people all the time who are like, I wonder if the Bermuda Triangle is real. I'd love to go check it out. I'm not going there. <laughs> not going there. Area 51. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. There are certain places I would say no to, but I'm okay with like, you know, checking out the ghost a bit. I'm like, anywhere oh, that's like a little bit dangerous. I'm like, nope. There's yeah. some places that I have interest in, like Chernobyl. But it's dangerous, so I don't want to go. Yeah, that makes sense. My curiosity is peaked, but I don't want to go. It's scary. 
This one is different, though, I feel like, because, okay, so it's, you know, stay the night with ghosts of fallen civilians. So on one hand, it's like, ooh, there's going to be ghosts there. But on the other hand, then I read it and I was like, a fallen civilian. So that's really sad because it's yeah, like it's a civilian. Like a, it's not like a a soldier who, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not like staying in a hotel with a Nazi soldier, which would be terrifying. This is yes, it would. An, this <laughs> is um, an innocent bystander. Right. Casualty of war that didn't ask for it. So that's a good point. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting that they were trying to <laughs> advertise and get people in that way. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like you said, though, there's a whole culture around it. So, I mean, yeah, I was going to say like the Blair Witch Project, but I forgot that that's um, fake. Yeah, that's true. That is. Did you hear? Have you heard the story behind the Blair Witch Project? No, definitely watched that movie, though, but did not hear the what whole thing. What it is, on. is they released the actors into the woods and gave them handheld cameras. And they were supposed to be just getting to know the area for when they actually shot the movie. Mm-hmm. And while they were in the woods, the crew did all of those things to them to mess with them and scare them so that it would be genuine oh. honest reactions. Oh. So it's actually somewhat real in the sense of like their emotions and the fear that they're going through is real. They didn't know that it was fake. Ah, so it might be clever. the closest thing to reality TV. <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not scripted. <laughs> no. So Wolf says, are you ready? They're at an intersection and there's a city square with a boarded up entrance to a subway and a sign that says the platform is closed a towering, gorgeous building with angels and cherubim standing guard at massive arched doorways. So they went from in front of a creepy hotel and <laughs> boarded up subway to an old, gorgeous building with angels and cherubims. Yep. <laughs> it's quite the contrast. I actually really don't like cherubims. They bum me out. Well, and depending on how they look, sometimes they can feel a little creepy, at least to me. I think, yeah. like, they're either really sad or really creepy, right? Because if they're, yeah. if you think about it, it's either a dead baby, well, Ugh. dead babies are sad, or they're drawn in a way that makes it also a creepy dead baby. So now I'm not only right. sad because it's a dead baby, but I'm scared because it's a creepy dead baby. Like, there's, uh-huh. why is that a thing? Why do we, I don't know. why do we create those things? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't um, either. She says, what is this? Once it was an opera house and an architectural marvel. Then the war came and it was converted into storage for artillery and eventually prisoners of war. Then, when no one else wanted it, we took over. Scarlet's upset about the word we. Right. Seems a little conspicuous for a secret gang, don't you think? (laughs) Uh, is it? (laughs) Would she ever suspect something horrible was living inside? No, she barely even noticed it because it's next to a big keep out sign. The only one she's apparently capable of reading. (laughs) (laughs) It is. You wouldn't walk by that and think, dangerous gang inside, dangerous gang. The whole hiding in plain sight concept. Yep. It reminds me of like, I always forget, did you read Harry? You read Harry Potter, right? Okay, no, I actually haven't yet. Sorry, don't kill me. Oh, you haven't read Harry Potter? Not yet. It's on, it's on my list. I just, you know. I don't want to spoil anything. But. Spoiler, it's just that they can hide their areas by magic so that when a muggle, a person who doesn't have magic, walks by, they just see a big keep outside. They don't see the cool Hogwarts castle. 
Oh, gotcha. Nice. And that's how they hide in plain sight. So it made me think of that because it's like it's hidden in plain sight. You're walking right by it, but you yeah. don't you don't see it. It's that um, kind of perception filter, like on Doctor right. Who, right? Perception filter. Yes. I know you watch Doctor Who. I so do watch Doctor Who. <laughs> it's a perception filter. It's in the corner of your eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so again, he asks her if she's ready. She says she is. Yeah. Sure, you are. <laughs> and this part kills me. I'm sorry. You just says Scarlet, I'm sorry. And then they go. And then I'm like, <laughs> what is he apologizing for? Is he apologizing for how he was angry and frustrated earlier? Or is he apologizing for what they're about to walk into, which scares me even more? I, I was like, feels really ominous. Like, I'm yeah, sorry for what? For what Wait. we're about to walk into. And then it says... He steps into the shadows. So that is definitely very ominous right there at the end. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, I found it hard to not read the next chapter. I I was like, if I were reading spoiler free and could only do a chapter at a time, there's no way (laughs) I would just stop right there. Like if this was the first time I was reading this book and I got to the and I was like, I'll just read one more chapter. And I got to the end of that chapter. I'd be like, I guess I'm reading another chapter. Yep, <laughs> you cannot stop right there. For this one, I chose Pompeii by Bastille because looking at the ruined city reminded me of Pompeii and therefore that song. If no mm. one is familiar with Pompeii, it's ridiculously fascinating. Go Google it. Go down that rabbit hole. It's absolutely insane what happened. Basically, yep. an old city got covered in dust and perfectly preserved, even though they all suffocated to death. I have been there. <gasps> yes. I went there, um, my husband and I went to Italy on our honeymoon and we went to Pompeii and it was crazy to me. Like, you know, our guide was there and just, um, him telling us all the stories about it and <clears throat> what happened and with the ash covering everything. But then, you know, the archaeologists finding all this stuff perfectly preserved and you're looking at it and I was like, how, like, this is, it's insane. It's insane. So. It is. It's one of those things you, you hear about all the time, right? Where people are like, oh, we don't really have anything left to be discovered. And then things happen and then we discover new information. And I think that Pompeii is a perfect example of how long something can go without being discovered. Yes, definitely. And I, I genuinely encourage, just go watch like a five minute YouTube video. It's really, really interesting. That's the song I chose. I just, when they were walking through the rubble, I was thinking about that song and the, the city crumbling down around them and things like that. That's a good choice. I yeah. like that. And then there was a Patreon suggestion for Just One Yesterday by Fallout Boy, which is a song about literally just wanting one more day with the person that you love. And I think that that goes for, in this chapter, the Patreon person didn't tell me, but I think that in this chapter that applies to both Scarlet and Wolf and Scarlet and her grandmother. She just wants more time with these people that she loves where she's not worried about their safety. And it's difficult for her to choose which one she wants more time with first. Right. No, I agree yeah. with that. So, what was your song choice? It might seem a little bit more unconventional, but um, just because it's really like a fun, like upbeat, peppy song. And like every time you hear it, you have to sing along with it when it comes on the radio. But I chose Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Marvin Gaye, because as I was thinking about this, like, I mean, it says, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide enough, you know, to keep me from getting to you. And he's talking about his lover or whatever. Right. But in this case, I feel like it applies for Scarlett because she is 
again, just being stupid and naive, but she's like, no matter what she has to do, she's going to go and get to her grandma and she's going to do everything that she needs to. And with Wolf, it's kind of like that for her, because even though she is, you know, stupidly like stepping into all this danger, no matter how much he warns her, he is still going to be there with her and protect her and go after her. So... Even, and no matter what danger it puts him in and what predicament it puts him in, he's still like, no, I said I'd protect you. I'm going to protect you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I always think of Stepmom when I hear that song. Me too. Yay! Always, always. And I can picture them in the car singing yes. along. She turns it up on the radio. Oh, That's I love one of it. my mom's songs. I love it. (laughs) Yes. I remember watching that movie with my mom and every time the little girl smarted off, my mom was just like, you better never talk to me like that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely have done that with my children and other movies. And then like, don't you ever talk to me like that? Or don't you ever say anything to anybody like that? You know, like like, this is dramatized for a movie. You don't actually behave this way in generalized society. (laughs) So what was your quote for this chapter? Okay. So my quote is, but it was not really a choice. She barely knew him despite the ache in her heart, despite everything, she would never be able to live with herself knowing that she had abandoned her grandmother when she was this close. I just love that because it really speaks to Scarlett's heart and that, you know, everything she's gone through. And even though she's got these feelings for Wolf and he's telling her this is dangerous, she really she knows that if she didn't go and do this, she would regret it for the rest of her life and that she has to go and help her grandma. She does. And that's a hard realization to come to, though. Yes. For her. Yeah. So my quote was, I said, I would protect you. And that's what I'm going to do. It's pointless to discuss it any further. For multiple reasons. One, I like that he's like, no, I said I'm going to protect you and that's what I'm going to do. Yep. The line, it's pointless to discuss this any further. <laughs> I just heard that in my husband's voice because he's <laughs> he's the type of person that like once he's made up his mind about something, he's like done talking about it. You can I come at him. Way. You can come at him like the next day or something. But like in that <laughs> moment, he's like, no, we've exhausted our resources. We've both made our counter arguments. It's, I'm done talking about this. And like I could see him being in a serious situation. And I'm like, what about this? And he's like, no, I'm, we're not talking about this. Nope. We're done with the we are done with the talking portion and the planning portion. And now we're in the trying to save our lives portion. So let's go <laughs> like and this is this is how I am with my kids because they'll <laughs> ask me something over and over and over and I will literally say to them, No, we're done discussing this now. This is it. No more. We're done. <laughs> so I kind of pictured that when I was reading it too. <laughs> it's one of those things like you know there's people out there that are like, Oh, I hate repeating myself. Yeah. I think I know for sure my husband is one of those people. He hates having to repeat himself. So anytime he asked me the word what, I just like, doesn't matter. <laughs> Why? Well, you don't like having to repeat yourself, so I don't think I should have to. And you obviously weren't paying attention. So it doesn't matter what I said. Done. No more. Done. Do you watch American <laughs> Dad? No. Oh, there's an episode where the dad, um, like, is trying to deal with stress. And somebody is like, well, if something's stressing you out, just be done with it. And he's like, cool. And so anytime someone or something annoys him, he goes, done. Wow, I'm alone in my boss's office. <laughs> and then, like, his daughter is annoying him. And he's like, done. Huh, I only have one kid left. <laughs> it's, 
So I feel like that's how Wolf is. Wolf is like, I'm done with this. We're moving on. Let's go. I snapped my fingers, right? So let's go. We're done. done. <laughs> and I don't blame him because, like I said, it's it really is done. It's too late to be yep. having these conversations. We're past the point of no return. Let's go. Very true. There's yeah. no more. We're, we're done. Yep. <laughs> So there were no tomatoes, gloves, or captains, and there were a total of 11 eggs this That's week. That's a lot. You know, it's not the most, though. The most I ever had in one chapter was 13, and that was back in Cinder. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was a lot. There was, there was a lot going on in that chapter. Next time, we are going to cover chapters 27 and 28. Where can people find your podcast and when do episodes come out? I know you've been on before, but you might as well say. (laughs) Never hurts to repeat things. (laughs) Um, So my podcast, again, is YA Book Chat, and people can find it both on Instagram and Facebook, just as that, YA Book Chat. And if they have any thoughts or ideas about anything, they can, or suggestions for books to read and cover, because I'm always looking for that, even though I have a humongous TBR list, um, they can email me at yabookchat at gmail.com. And I release an episode every other Monday. So, yeah. July, I can have you on my podcast, because that's when we talked about doing the new Hunger Games book. Yes, which I'm also really excited about. When does that actually come out? May 19th, actually. Is it really? Yes. Anniversary present. You know, it would be a great one-year anniversary present is if Marissa Meyer gave me a shout-out. (laughs) Ayo. So please rate, review, and subscribe and follow YA Book Chat Podcast. And, of course, rate, review, and subscribe and follow Prince Kai Fan Pod. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Hi. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Leah Stoller from YA Book Chat Podcast. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.